Welcome to the Bradley Show by Uri Roy. That was the quickest yet. That was, uh, wasn't even two seconds, Brad. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. We're here in Tonon Le Bain for the rest of the Tour de France. Joined as ever by Matt Stevens. Matt, welcome. Thank you for having me on the show again. And we've got Bernie Eisel, former teammate, roommate at the Giro d'Italia in 2003. Thanks, God. I'm the roommate with you at the moment. What? Say it again. No, we're enjoying single rooms here. Yeah, we're we are, social we distancing we are. here. We're a lot older now, Bernie. We've got kids. We've got, to, um, we've got to behave ourselves. Well, I remember once in the Giro. Do you remember when we were in bunk beds? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Giro d'Italia. Giro d'Italia, 2003. We had a room once. We had bunk beds. Me and Bernie. <laughs> we were in bunk beds. In the... Who got the top one? Was there a fight? Was oh, it I was on the wrestle? top. No, there were two bunk beds in the room. Oh, so right. I think we so you, might have took double. Where did you did you go low down? So was there was an angle, or did you just go top? I think no. we used we both slept on the top. We put our suitcases on the bottom one because there was no room to open the suitcases. Wow, it's one of those Italian rooms, you know, old school. If there's one of them Italian rooms, which was, <laughs> but the food was great. <laughs> that happens a lot, though, doesn't it? Generally, if the yeah. rooms are kind of the more, um, I don't know, puritanical the rooms, mm. the better the food. We got something in common, the three of us. We all rode a Giro d'Italia with Marco Pantani. We did? We did. I think we all might have all beaten him in the prologue as well. I actually beat we Marco Pantani. We didn't have Pantani a prologue. We had a stage in Bari, didn't we? Yes. Opening stage in Bari, which Alessandro Pataki won. Yep. And Bernie was you were top five, weren't you, I think, in that opening stage? This I don't remember, but I remember I crashed the f***ing Austrian hope. Oh, can't say that. Oh, it's too late. It's out there. So we're, it's we're, out there. we're top but, six for a reason, yeah. because we swear yeah. in the country. Okay, sorry for that, but I go on. I cra- <laughs> we can say what we like on this pod. <laughs> we're like the Friday Night Project. <laughs> we can do what we like. And that's why I enjoy being on that pod. But, by the way, Georg Dochnik was the hope for Gerolsteiner. Me as an Austrian. Oh, I yeah. made to crash him while the stage, because we chatted along in the last position of the bungee. Now, uh, Levis clinched into each other. Did you crash? No, I didn't crash. I just hold my handlebar. And Have he you shoot crashed up. in a Giro d'Italia? Definitely, but not that year. We've all crashed in the Giro d'Italia. There's a, that's another thing in common. We've all uh, got moustaches, and we all crashed in the Giro d'Italia as well. Yeah. Yeah. Forgot, years. I crashed Forgot. in 2013. <laughs> I crashed in 2013. Did well, you? And you know who took me out? Mario Cipollini. Yes, he did. In Santonati Piave, my hometown when I was oh, on the last, rider. The last stage, when in the rain. Yeah. When he crashed, he went on the last corner, yeah. Because you got second and third on the stage that year, didn't you? I, Nothing I, to do with the Tour de France, by the way, this. but No, just, but this is just a sitting we're, the scene, we're continuation, a continuing of our conversation we were having before we came on air. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, because we're here. We can see the lovely lac. Lac de Le- Lemon. It's Lemon. Geneva. No, it's Lac Lemon. Lac Lemon. It's Lake Geneva. Lake Geneva. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful summer's day. And do you know what? The table is littered with cheese... Bits of meat. Snooze. Uh, yep, snooze. <laughs> uh, electronic detritus. <laughs> cigarette packets. Some cigarettes. And some bread. And some, also, to, to ashtray, be fair. Ashtray, there's an ashtray. Mineral water and... Uh, Not for me, because I've quit smoking for the last week. Well, that's good to see, Brad. Yeah. Just for our British viewers. Well, it's, good, it's good to hear and see, because yeah. it's a podcast. They can't see it. They can only hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's looking much better. I feel better for it. Ran it 20k looks, this morning. That's it. 20k's. So, mm. so there's a lot of sport. That was done between Not us. So you sported 20k's. What sport did you do? I saw your running shoes out on the windowsill. Did you run? No, I'm still trying them. I had a day off. My, oh, you got to be honest, neck. I fell asleep. I have a sore neck. So you're Thanks one of the that, only man. crew that's actually carrying an injury. Um, do you but want to talk us through what happened? After this, we're going to go and partake in some water sports, aren't we? We are. Yeah, because we're just right next to a lake. We are. We're going to jump in the lake. Yeah, so back to the Tour de France. We've, of course, got Bernie, got Matt here. We're on the Lake Geneva here, on the side of Lake Geneva, on the French side. 
And we've had a rest day. Um, but yesterday, I, I tell you what, without swearing, um, Bob Jungle's ride yesterday was out of this world for me because I was there first hand on the motorbike, attacking 60 kilometers to go with Simon yesterday. Simon took the jersey and I think that, that was great for Simon. I love Simon. Um, and it's good for Cofidis, but Bob Jungle's, and particularly with what happened with Pino chasing him and getting so close, Jungle's ride after the problems he's had the last few years was out of this world for me. Just first win since 2019, wasn't it? And that was the... He's a class act. Andy Nationals. Schleck told me he was a class act. And for Andy Schleck to say that, that's quite something. No, that was a hell of a ride. You got a feel for him. And you could see it was quite cathartic when he crossed the line, but did look like his days were numbered when, um, Pino. when Pino attacked. But then it was ultimately Castro Viejo who got second place. Pino really cracked in the final, but now nah, a good ride, popular win. And um, you know, Bob, an important one. Yeah, I just wanted to check on. It was like... Good ride by all of them. I mean, it was a good group, but it shows just like modern cycling again. Who commits first is probably going to take it. And Bob Jungles don't want to take anything away from him. How he paced it himself. He smart, knew. wasn't it? That was smart. It's like yeah. getting over those that climb and then using the descent to distance uh, Debo again. Chapeau. Like, well-deserved and like Bradley mentioned, coming back from an injury and operations and everything and commitment chapeau Thibaut Pinot yeah. did a ride as well didn't he no, it was a cracking after ride. the day before with a musette and that yeah I mean it was a weird crash wasn't it like a slow mo- but he'd had a crash before that as well yeah. didn't he so yeah but again classical Thibaut Pinot and of course he so many fans of all the fans out on the road yesterday well I know this was Thibaut Pinot fans everywhere weren't they you spoke to him at the finish did you they were just uh, absolutely everywhere actually Louis Pierre our colleague spoke to him but I was there he's like I mean he, he didn't was expect big, he was that good, did he? No. He, he, was, he knew I have to try, and he waited too long. That's what he... The only thing he just thinks is, like, I waited too long. And yeah. it's always a new thing. Big breakaways. What, what can he do yeah. to change it? What can he yeah. do? Oh, Castro Viejo was quite disappointed to finish second, because apparently we got word, didn't we, from Steve Cummings they were going to put somebody in the break. And that's something that we've not Why really was seen. That? Why was that? Because that's so abnormal for them as well, to put someone in the break, because I thought... What, 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 you know, with four riders in the top four, I thought, you know, Cav actually said in the commentary in the morning that he thought that they might try something and assert their dominance on that climb today, uh, on yesterday, on that climb up to Chitel. And why they put Castrovieco in the break? Was it for a stage win? It must have been. I suppose you, I mean, Bernie, as, as, a, as a contemporary team manager, before I say that, what did you make of that strategy then? I think that's what we also tried as a Bora and Scroe in, in the Giro. Kemna, you can always go for the, for the stage win because that's what we hear. You want to win the bike race. You want to show your sponsors. You don't want to wait till the end of the, the last week. Or if you feel a l- smell of the yellow jersey, the m- Malia Rosa, just take it. Yeah. Go out there and race. Yeah. I think stage win possibly but having Castro up the road had it split behind and Geraint had got away mm. or Adam or something it's always a good move so it's an insurance policy isn't it but but it I think we question it because we just don't see it very often mm. no. and, and they're no. racing completely differently and they've still well we saw Danny Martinez dropped away didn't he but they've still got three in the top ten there's a lot of talk now Bernie about um, this Tour de France particularly and it's been happening for a few years now but the cycling has really changed hasn't it from your era when you were racing do you think it's really changed now? And this tour, more than ever, has really changed. I mean, Van Aert was in the break again yesterday, wasn't he? Yes. I mean, you could flip a coin. Who's going to win the next stage? Wout van Aert or Dade Bogacar. So yeah. give a chance to the breakaway. But I think what changed is like, and what we have to change as a media, is like even podcast, whatever, is like not giving the yellow jersey that much power at the end of the race 
that would be the ultimate thing is like there's much more there's 21 stages and every stage win changes everybody's rider's life yeah yeah mm. it's, it's it is interesting i think some teams are racing because they know that there's a real i don't know high level isn't there amongst a, a few riders now and everybody else is almost you know is picking up the crumbs so rather than going and be set, you know, satisfied with seventh or eighth overall, win stages and race with panache, and that's what we're seeing. But don't call it grams. Just, yeah, yeah. just it's a Tour de France stage win. It's like well, that's I mean. it's yeah. the biggest thing. You, every rider when he puts on the first number on his back, what he dreams of, winning a stage in a tour. Do you think the no thing I noticed the other day was not the long wee stage, the, the other stage where um, ten riders went away with Mads Pedersen and all that? Yeah. Was um, and I said it on the motorbike actually was that the thing that we did differently in 2012 that UAE aren't doing and Pogaccio in particular he doesn't use his status as yellow jersey enough so the brake they were racing for an hour and the brake didn't go and it didn't go and then eventually 10 riders went away and UAE we used to stop then for a piss didn't we and the yellow jersey was stopped and then no one would attack because the whole team's out the back He doesn't do that. They just waited, 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 and then it, it allows people to counterattack. It gives a, it validates people to a counterattack. Yeah, it legitimizes yeah. that. So they let all the counterattacks go. The counterattacks go, and eventually, then they put one across, which was the guy who pulled out. The COVID. American. Um, and then oh, eventually, when other yeah, people sorry. started stopping for a wee Grant Thomas and that, then UAE stops with Pacacha. But we would in 12, we would wait. We would we would let. We would almost control the race by stopping the minute i would stop with all of us no one would attack because the yellow jersey stopped yeah. so you would cancel the race out but bagachar's happy to sit there now whether it's naivety and he doesn't do it or they're doing it on purpose but or they just don't trust anyone that when the yellow jersey stops i think it might be a combination of all those things but i noticed they don't do that they don't use their status enough within the sport yeah. to, to control that racing you're right i think matt i think they just play it out it's like seeing let's see what works out that day because they At the moment, they are fully under control. It's like yeah. he just cruises around in a bunch, serves the wheels, is always in at the front. Yeah. So actually, he's protecting his teammates for doing the job to protect it, him for staying at the front and looking out who's going in the break. Yeah. If there's an, a break going that is important, let's say, put him under pressure, he just moves and he's in there. Yeah, they, they, he's... His positioning in the bunch is, un is unorthodox as well. Mm. He's really far forward a lot of the time, running second wheel and stuff, and in the finals. Yeah. So th I think there's, there's two ways looking at this. There's, just, there's a, a little bit of naivety coupled mm. with the fact that he's prodigiously talented and clearly just no he can do anything he wants. I don't think he realizes his status within the sport, exactly. which is why he's so good. Yeah, but, I th but I'm thinking you've got to look now at the team and the way that, and Giannetti, and look at the experience in the team and yeah. the, 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 the management. Okay, what are they looking to do? Are they just letting him do it or are they saying, just do it because it's scaring people? Mm. Yeah. You, you're dominating in a different way. You're not dominating necessarily with the strongest team in the world because they're a good team, but they're not the best team. But they have somebody amongst them who, who's intimidating in what he can do. And I think they're allowing him to just ride a bit more forward to say, I don't really need a big team. Come and get me, you know. Brings <laughs> me to a question. Would you have done it, Bradley, when well, you won the tour? Yeah. I, know, I remember there was Mick Rogers. I was there. Yeah. And we told you to slow down the bunch. Yeah. Just pull over. Yeah, you would tell me. Yeah, I mean, him and Mick and Nisi, well, Nisi wouldn't say anything. He never spoke, did he? But it, Bernie and Mick were, like, instrumental in that whole team, you know, because they had the status within the peloton where yeah. everyone respected them as well. 
and they were the two captains on the road and um, they would say okay Brad stop for a wee now <laughs> so I would pull over and then anyone who would attack then they'd go hey yellow jersey stopped yeah so it would neutralize the race because um, it's the unwritten rules and, again and then I learned that keeps over the, the weeks to, to how they worked really because the first time I'd been in that position with these guys that when all the tacks got thrown on the road then these guys were out the back because we got that steep climb I took it upon myself when Pierre Roland attacked and said look come on guys you know so it was, a, it was, a, feel like it was an educational did, thing when you did that for the first time how did that feel like being the proper patron making the calls did well, it feel I, a bit weird no, I wasn't doing it for that reason at the time but it was actually you know I didn't want to benefit from someone else's misfortune it, and it was only that Cadell had punctured yeah you know and I was sort of feeling sorry for him at that stage because we humiliated him by that point so it was an element of that and that brings me to the question does he have somebody I mean I see he doesn't, have, he doesn't have any captains I don't think he has any captains on the road. The only one is Raphael Micah, who's too quiet. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting, when you, when you look at the lineup, you look at like Bennett. Bennett rode really well, actually, George Bennett, didn't he? He looked really good. And he was really chipper at the finish. But well. George doesn't have a calm head. George is like, says what he thinks, you know. Yep. And Bernie and Mick, were between them, were, Bernie was from the, the sprint side of things with our team. And Mick was from the, you know, the level-headed, long-term long plan with the, the, um, the GC in mind. So these two would have, you know, they'd known each other since the Mapai days and they would talk it to each other. So Bernie had Cav's interest at heart and Mick would have my interest at heart and they'd play it out on the road. So and Sean Yates would say, so there was a stage to Poe where the first two hours, we did 100k in two hours and the day after we had the Tourmalet. And um, Cav wanted to win that morning for his green jersey. And um, two hours of chasing everything down, this and the other. And we were using up too many numbers. Bearing in yeah. mind, we had one rider down when Sitsoff crashed in Dunkirk. And Bernie, uh, Sean Yates came on the radio and said, OK, guys, this is, this is silly. And Mick Rogers said, this is crazy. We're not riding anymore. We'll let the brake go. We're not riding for a sprint. Cav was really pissed off. But do you think it was the right thing to do back then, looking back? I don't he would know. have beaten a record by now. But it no, would have been he, a record. He would have been a record. So Cav would have won that stage if we chased it down. But Mick Rogers took the decision to not ride ahead of Sean Yates because he yeah. said he made that call on the road but that was really really key because the day after was the Tourmalet stage where we went over Paris Sword yeah. and finished in Luchon where it was just finished me through him and Nibali and um, Mick Rogers took the GC decision whereas and they took it away from the director sportif but that was the key that might have been the moment we won the Tour de France with Mick Rogers making that decision and overriding Cav and Cav winning so that was the difference between winning it having a British winner of the Tour de France or a record stage winner of the Tour de France. And Mick Rogers made that decision that day. And it, and it's, it was that, that, that was, the, it was amazing when you think back. That's amazing, that is, wow. And, and no one else could have made that decision. Chris, Cav and Mark, uh, Mark and Sean Yates had already fallen out at the start of the Tour. So they weren't really talking, were they? Because of this big crash. Remember when Cav... It's one of those things, it's, uh, you, you look at the, the decisions that are made on the road, it's, uh, it's only later in life or later down the road you can look back and see how, how uh, pivotal or the catalyst to other things happening, that those, those sort of decisions. It's like a sliding doors moment, really, So the it? point being is UAE don't have a rider like Bernie or Mark or, or Mick Rogers. Well, if, they, if they do, it's difficult to see and who Yumbo it is. And Jumbo Visma, do they have one? That, that's a question. I, I think it, that's what comes down to what the media calls it out, being too greedy. Mm. Yeah. being too aggressive yeah. all the time you know to want everything you have to make some sacrifices on the road it's like we can't take that it's like we were talking about the green jersey it's on his shoulder he's got yeah. to bring it home just yeah. 
just Unless focus crashes, on, a, yeah. on the next goal. How to take the yellow jersey off Dade Bogacar's shoulders. Yep. Arguably the team best place to do it, Rinius, though, aren't they? It's whether they have the... Uh, well, then, then, the you, then it brings us to Rinius. They're the third biggest team in this race. They've got four riders in the top ten. Three now. Martinez dropped away. Three three in the top but still, ten. still solid, yeah. Um, with Geraint Thomas and Adam being the main you know, yep. two... I th Tom Pidcock, we re you know, remains to be seen what happens with him. Brian Thomas is a real outside bet for this tour. If, it's flying. If this battle between Pogacar and Jumbo Visma, I mean, Geraint Thomas, I mean, I've never seen him as relaxed. Yeah. He's, got, he's putting out some, talk about numbers a lot, he put out his biggest power numbers, didn't he? So uh, Rod told me, yeah. yeah. Steve, yeah. Steve, was, Steve o Cummins was saying that, yeah. You know Geraint well, he, I mean, you've spoken to him. Feet, he, yeah. he, he's like, he's a great character, isn't he? He's, <laughs> he's one of the best he, characters. He's one there. of the unique athletes I've ever met. And the heat is coming. Yeah. The second week is going to be incredibly hot. And Who do you think that will favour? Garen Thomas. Yeah. And I think it favours all the riders who didn't peak before. Because we're still two weeks in. It's like two weeks. It's a Tour de France finishes in two weeks. It's, it's far from over. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? And apart from, you look at the, the riders here and look at the... He's the only other rider that knows what it's like to win the Tour de France. You know, that's, it's no small thing. And when I've spoken to him a few times... Off camera as well, how you feeling? So I'm confident. So just to know that I've won this makes me feel different and I know that I'm in good shape. And even at coming into his mid-30s and I'm putting out the best numbers I've ever put out, so I'm really... But he said he, we've got to be smart. He's got to be really smart. And, and maybe I'd be looking at, without speaking, combining with Jumbo Visma. That's what you've got to do. Not like having a big... But it's like, you know, we just hit him. Just hit him. For a moment, um, I thought are you talking about yourself, man. It's like your numbers are nerve. <laughs> training well, yeah, every day. Good. My numbers are good. Nah, they're, nah. No, I mean, and at the moment, mentioned. you're training every day. You go out for a ride every morning. You went well, out I to, this I morning did. on your yeah. Brompton, didn't you? I did. Great Bromptons, aren't they? They are. I just bazzed up the clock. The cool de fou today before I came back down and did some... Did I haven't received mine yet. Do you know what fou is in French? Light. Spelt in a different way. Is it light? Light. Fou. De fou toi. Oh, you're mad. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're bonkers. You're the, a nutcase. The cold of lunacy. You're slightly off the wall. Lunacy. You're out of this world. You're a bit loose. Yeah, you know, you know, lune, lunatic. It's French. So basically, when the full moon came up, and you had the uh, the asylums for the mentally ill, they got the name lunatic because they used to kick off from the asylums mm. when uh, the full moon came up. So they so lunatic. Yeah. Comes from that. What are you most looking forward to the next few days, Brad, then? Um, Mond. Yep. You know, that's the return of Stephen Cummins when he won these stages. You were in his of team course, that year, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. No, actually, no, I wasn't. But, so yeah, I, I remember when I was 15 watching Laurent Jalabert win there. Do you remember that stage when Onze were chasing, riding, and Benesto were chasing with on? He was wearing those little uh, Jalabert Karnaks, wasn't he? Which oh, I, the silver ones. Which I then bought which we because were of that. Yeah, but do you know who else was wearing them, which we were talking about, was Simon Bray. Yeah, of course. One of the nationals yeah. in 93, yeah. 92, and 93. Simon, if you're out there, get in contact with the pod because we'd love to know what you're up to these days. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking about Simon and all the national winners before, weren't we? We were. We were chatting quite a lot about cycling, weren't we? Rob Harris. The pod. I was showing Matt a picture of a, a poster I had on my wall when I was 17. And it was Matt, 1993 National Road Race with Rob Harris, double national champion. Rob, if you're out there, get in touch with the pod. We'd love to have you on. He is. He's creaky cranks on Twitter. Is he out there, Rob? He's out there, Rob. Does he listen to the pod? He listens to the pod. Rob, I had a picture of you on my wall when I was 17. I'll get in contact with him and, and uh, subtweet him. Look, sub there's a rat on a yeah. string. 
it's pinch a call. But anyway, I would prefer to talk about Steve Cummings winning on a Mandela Day. Yeah, on Mandela I mean, Day, Mond. He's in the team car yes. in US Grenadiers at yeah. the moment. Do you remember the stage you won the year after, though? That was incredible that as was, well. That was epic, wasn't it? That Dif- was, completely different. That was a stage where either Simon or Adam, I can't which one, where the balloon, the, the kilometre banner came down on him. That's right. But Steve was such a class rider. He's one of our best British riders, I think, ever. He's, um, I think, one of the most underrated. Tactically shrewd as well. Just knew exactly what he had to do. There's no no coincidence that Ineos are in their position now with Rod at the helm. Rod's a great, great sort of planner of everything. And um, with Steve as a DS, it's no no coincidence that they're in the position they're in. I think he brings a, he brings a, a calmness through that team, yeah. which we've noticed, haven't we, on the ground? It's just relaxed. Obviously, we know how well, you guys have ridden there for you know long enough, but not knowing Rod really well and looking how relaxed they are and looking how open they are to trying new things is quite refreshing. And I think they're all, it's building this uh, new inertia that they've got. This yeah. new, and, and even interviewing Adam Yates at the start, they normally, I mean, Adam is hard to interview. I mean, if you're listening, he's hard to interview. But of late, He's really come out of his shell a lot, you know, and he's, uh, he's clearly enjoying his bike racing. And when you're enjoying your bike racing, you're in good form. It's dangerous in a good way. All of them. I mean, they never miss the mix zone. Every, t- every time they're there and great interviews. Tom Pitcock. Like we have what do you think of Tom Pitcock? Bernie, what do you think of Tom Pitcock? Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely a character. What do you think he can do the next two weeks? Do you think we're putting too much pressure on him as a nation? I, I think he has a plan. I think whatever we say at the moment, he doesn't care. It's like he has something in his mind and that is bigger than Tour de France. He wants to win everything in the future. I wouldn't put him down to Tour de France at the moment. Just Matt, no. you've raced with some of our biggest talents in the past. Matt, Malcolm Elliott, Chris Walker, yeah. Dave Rayner. He's up. Um, where do you put him? Uh, I think he's up there. I think he's... Uh, yeah, he's something exceptional. He's a rare breed. I, I remember chatting to Maggie Baxter few years ago actually when Tom Pig got burst on the scene domestically won the senior elite circuit race championships as a 17 year old and they did some deep muscle tests on him and the guy that conducted these tests did similar tests on Peter Sagan and they looked at his muscle composition and said there's only one other rider that Pidcock is has a similar physiology to it's a very very rare form of muscle structure in terms of in terms of ability to recover and fast twitch and also endurance so he's basically a sprinter and an endurance rider and he said there's, it's only him and Pidcock that have the most this similar kind of weird I'd muscle put DNA. I'd one other rider in that which, in that mix as which, well. Yeah, so it's really interesting. But but he's all. But yeah, I'd put one other rider in that mix as well at the moment. Who would you in that first week of the tour? Walt Van Aert. Walt Van Aert. Incredible. In the they're a rare, rare breed, aren't they? Christ, it's been astonishing, isn't it? Mm. I think we don't have to do a muscle <laughs> test there. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, you can no. just see it's like it's like a carved. It's like like wood. It's like teak. Like so I'll ask you another teak. question now as well for yeah. both of you. What 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 does the next two weeks hold for Primoz Rodlic? Because we've forgotten about him a little bit, haven't we? Yeah. Wow, that's a good one. Because I think holding him back by the injury himself could help him in the third week. Because we have seen him struggling in every race, Grand Tour. The crash pulled him out last year, but all the other things, things happened to him. But probably this... Is holding him back a little bit and saving a little bit for the third week. What do you think, Matt? I think he's still he's still dangerous. He's just hovering inside the top twenty in at two two and a half minutes or something. But uh, but when you look at what he's done over the last couple of days, carrying an injury, and now stating that he's not, I, I think he's 
remains very dangerous. But the thing for me is, what will they do? Will they still look at him as a joint leader, send him up the road, do something brave and spectacular, to, or, or is he now relegated to second place? Uh, but to be honest, even before he crashed, Vingigo just looked that little bit better. It just looked that, li that, that little bit better, I think. But uh, we shall see. But it, it poses, it, it's, it's kind of on a, not a knife edge, it's, it's delicately poised from that squad's perspective. Brings me to the next thing. I don't think he's going to follow any orders. Why should he follow orders? He came in as the leader. He was holed up by a crash. Why, why shouldn't he just, just go out there and do whatever he wants? Yeah, but as a manager, that's interesting you're saying that, but should he though? Because if there's, there's clear, just to be, play the devil's advocate, Roglic going against team orders in a team with that sort of structure, that sort of... What would you do as a yeah. DS Yumbo? I mean, just, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting you raised it, but... Do you think Franz Marcel and that are all old school? Yeah, they, I think so. Being old school is gone because they opened the door for Bout van Aert, yeah. doing whatever, do whatever you want. Because what he did that day when he broke away and then got caught with Quinn Simmons wasn't in the meeting. So why so did they put Wal van Aert in the break yesterday and not Primoz Rodlich? It was too early. Too early in the race. Yeah. Yeah. But also, do you think teams now, which is making it so exciting and there's so many discussion points because we've not really seen it before, it, teams are now more willing to lose in spectacular, brave, bold, romantic fashion. And if they win, it's even better. But if they lose, it still looks brilliant. To think that's what this new, they're not afraid to lose, but in style. So this second week, they're reporting now, the French were just telling me before, um, it's going to be a stinking hot week, yeah. 40 degree temperatures. A week from now, we've got another rest day in the Tour de France. Predictions for yellow jersey a week from now. Bernard. Stays on Tadej Bogacar. Tadej will be under pressure. I can't, I can't see past it. He, he's just finishing. He, he's never looked in difficulty, even no. when he's won. And even the other day when Wout Van Aert won. Do you know what? I'd be, I, it looked like he just held back. I just think he's, yeah, he'll be in the lead still. Green jersey. Wout well, Van Aert's finished it off, hasn't he, really? Yeah. I would say give him the green jersey and we concentrate on something else. With um, regards to Mark Cavendish, you know him really well, obviously. If he'd been at this Tour de France, do you think, how, where, how many stages, do you think he'd have won a stage by now? Do you think he'd be challenged for that green jersey? Green jersey, no. Stage win, yes. Yeah. He said that himself, didn't he? You know, yeah, it's exactly the same as what Bernie had said. But this, it's not the slim pickings, isn't there, for the sprinters? I mean, talking about that briefly, looking ahead, even through this week, it's just yeah. brutal. Five, four, three or four back-to-back mountaintop finishes. Then Hilly, we got Paris and the day before the TT. That's, for, that's it. It's just hard. If you're not, if you're a sprinter, you haven't won yet. It's it's a long way to Paris. <laughs> long way it's to Paris. It's a short way to Paris. Just one other thing. Looking ahead to the next few days before we wrap things up, Brad. Thirty years ago, whenever it was, thirty-five years ago, we finished on the Col de Granon, which yeah. we, we based, the last time we visited it was 1986. You were there. I was there. Shows us one. It was the year of the uh, the big internal. How battle. old are you then, Matt? Fifty-two. How old are you? Fifty-two. How old are you? 18. Oh, so how old was I? Yeah. <laughs> how old were you then? 16. 16. Jesus Christ, yeah. I think it was, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was 15 years, 16 years of age. What a tour to, to be on the roadside. Oh, Le Monde, Eno. That's, Brad, I, I can honestly say that's why I'm here sat with you guys yeah, now. Yeah. Well, we've all had that, don't we? Uh, that, that was the moment for me. I was, I was a, 
you know, I'd already been aware of it. It was my dad loved it. My dad didn't push me, but he he, he showed me what it could be like. And he said, "Look, this is the tour. Like, what do you reckon?" Do you know what my moment was? You know? Stood on the roadside on Ditchling Beacon in 1994, and Flavio Vanzella and Francesco Cabello come past in the breakaway. Dropped Vanzella. Cabello won the break stage. No, he actually dropped um, Emmanuel Magna from Castorama. Sorry. Yes. And Vanzella went from the from the peloton from MG Technogym in between those two and took the yellow jersey. So Vanzella took the jersey that day. Cabello won the stage and Magnan finished second. Chris Boardman came across the line in fourth that day in Brighton. Wow. Put his arms in the air and thought he'd won. He attacked on the final running. Um, and that was the day. And then the Tour de France went back to France. I went back to school the next day because I'd bunked off to but, watch that. But stage. you were that? You, it, it and was the Yanks took the next day and yellow took to yellow the next day. And that was oh, it yeah. for me. Yeah. cry now what about you man well, what was your moment that like yeah this is what I want to do that when I say man you. I'm not talking to some random that's just walked by uh, Bernie Eisel uh, Bradley just <laughs> mentioned something raising arms like it brings me back to Jasper Phillips and discussions about, about Alberto Petiol anything everything oh, yeah, yeah. but at the same time Jasper Philipson. but when you were a kid what was your what was the moment you watched in the Tour de France where you thought oh, that's, I want to be a professional scientist yeah. Miguel Indurain yeah mm. nothing else than quick mate Miguel Indrain was just up there. Peter Luckenberger <laughs> came later, but 96, he got up the top 10, didn't he? He was fifth. Fifth. My brother is nine years older, so that's why I got into cycling. And 19 years older? No, not only nine. No, I, I'm having a problem with numbers. That was such a big break. I'm pro- sorry, I'm having a problem with problems numbers. But it's, it's only nine years, but it's nine it's a decade. age difference. Basically a decade. Oh, to junior with Bernie. You did the we, worlds together, junior worlds and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So well, I remember we went to the ju- we went Dropped to them every day. You, Bertie was amazing as a junior. We went to the Tour of Lorraine in 1997, and I was rooming with Bill Nixon, son of Bill Nixon. Yeah, Bill Nixon. Imagine calling your your son the same name. That's weird, but mm. hey, happens a lot. And um, Bill, we, we were talking about this young Austrian kid, Bernie, who had another year as a junior still. You were first year junior, and Bernie won the you won Tour of Lorraine, didn't you? Um, and he was amazing. He was amazing junior. And here we are, what, 25 years on? Yes. We won the tour together. We won amazing. the tour together. That's bloody cool, I nearly it? said uh, from there, went downhill. No, no. No, I enjoyed my career, 100%. But it was that moment is like, my brother gave me that inspirement to, to get there. But my first impression is still Miguel Indurain. Yeah. On the Pinarello. World class. So, Brad, here we are, sat looking out over the lake. We've got, uh, well, some, somebody just dropped some wine glass in the background. Yeah. That's how real this situation is. There's a tiny little dog um, trying to chew its own ankle off in the background. That's quite strange. It's tied somebody, up. Somebody give that tiny dog a hand. It's a rat. That's Round just bizarre. Uh, but, so, with the, with the kind of tiny dog savaging its own, gnawing its own leg in the background, what is the, um, what does it mean 10 years later after having won the tour with this man, Bernie, yeah. uh, and now you're working about together? Who could have thought that? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a well Bernie was at the tour that year because he was Cav's right-hand man. And so he looked after Cav and Christian Nice was looking after me, who was the DS now for, for Ineos. But Bernie, like, you know, I couldn't have done what I did without Bernie. Bernie was, and actually, more so when I got top 10 in Paris-Roubaix, Bernie took me into Arenberg. And um, Bernie was like, just the calm, cool lad. You always felt safe and secure when Bernie was around. Every, you do even, I feel safe on the pod, bro. But he was Great. Happen. Honestly, it was so such a privilege to race with him. It was uh, he was so, he was better than he thought he was. He, he really didn't realise how a, he's a mo- he's, he he's really modest, didn't realise how good he was. He could have won. I mean, he won Gent Wevelgem, 
But he, there was a period before he became Cavs right hand man. Other people realised his value and took him and used him for them, their own gain. But Bernie could have been a classics winner um, all day long. He was a classics winner. He won again, Wevel again, but he could have won Flanders, Roubaix. It was a period where he was the most talented cyclist in the world. And one of my, 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 my special moments, aside from Crew Hall in 20, 2012, when he bought, bought me a drink, it was when you won the, the King of the Mountains Prize in the Arctic Race of Norway. I was lead commentator, and you won your body weight in salmon, which you, you took back home with you. And it was your first ever KOM win. So for me, that race, I know, it'll be funny, Bernie. Have you still got it in your freezer? Oh, there's not much left anymore, but let's, you pro do, let's, you promote, let's promote Norwegian salmon. Probably I get more. But anyway, Arctic race of Norway, great race. But Bradley, thanks for that one. No, I really true. appreciate that one. And true, mate. when I look back to Steve Cummings, yourself, back in the day, we had great fun. Your team direct in the car, smoking a cigar as a junior, uh, junior racer. Mike Taylor, yeah. yeah. The cigar out of the car. Yeah, yeah. You can't beat that one. It's like, that's yeah. class. But at the same time, I'm happy what I've achieved, and especially those wins. Gent Velvegem, you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, I mean, Gent and Brilliant, man. What a race. It's the only race, um, it's the only race or one of the few races that uh, I think Eddie Merckx didn't win. Right, okay. And it is one of the oldest races Actually, on the I think it was Hit Vault. I mis okay, I'm mistaken. Right, okay. But still, sounds good, doesn't it? it Barry does. Hoban won that. He did. But yeah. being on the chance that he's with I mean, a that was special. In the yellow suit. I was there. Yellow jersey. I was yeah. there. And leading yeah. Mark out that day was perfect, wasn't it? You can't believe it. When you seen that 2012 tour, everything we did that tour worked, didn't it? Planche de Belfield, that plan we had. Um, when, and then that Paris stage. I remember in the morning we all said, we got what we're going to do, the role, the job we're going to do. And, and for me to go across the Place de la Concorde with Edvold on my wheel, Norwegian champion, and then Mark as a world champion. I mean, it's incredible. It was still that, that, that line, those subsequent years after that, I used to a lot of afternoon speaking. And that was my opening line. Would you have ever thought that you have, would have had, firstly, a British Tour de France winner, you, mate, mm. Cav, as a, as a world British champion. World since Tommy Simpson. No, and then, yeah, and it, but then, but it was, it was, it was, it was massive. I was there, I was weirdly in the American embassy. I, I was a guest of the, of, of JV's team with Holly, looking out just to get, to, but we're watching it and mate, it blew our minds. It was just wonderful. We knew it was going to, it was all on the, obviously, but to, for, you to, to, for Cav to win, and it was, it was arguably the zenith, was He's it? never won since on the Champs-Élysées, so his last win on the Champs-Élysées was a world champion. And the thing I loved about Cav was he wore black shorts. Class. Because he wanted the jerseys to stand out, and he had a black bike, black shorts, black helmet, and um, he hated Pinarello, didn't he? <laughs> oh, 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 no, 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 they, they have to defend him. He... <laughs> Because he, he wasn't ever as happy on that bike as he was from the McLaren Venge, was he? He does like a special, doesn't he? I'm just, I, I literally, I'm thinking, but he never, he... You His favourite bike was the Merida yeah. from Bahrain. <laughs> 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 Jesus, yeah. He loves, he loves Fausta. Yeah. He's a nice bloke. No, it was great days, great times. Um, this has been my best pod, I love this one. Thank you, Bernie. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Charlie. Charlie. Tom. Thank you. I'm Charlie. Charlie, thanks for coming. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Join us tomorrow for the next one. For the next for the next installment. Au revoir, Garnier, Paris.